0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Auto Armor, Central Mississippi's premier automotive detail and ceramic coating shop. Located at 4394 Mangum Drive in Flowood, Mississippi. You can check them out online at autoarmorms.com and on social media at autoarmorms. That's A-U-T-O-A-R-M-O-U-R-M-S. Located right there in Flowood, Mississippi behind Merritt Health Hospital. See you soon at Auto Armor in Flowood. All right, folks, getting off to a shaky start here in the new year in the 2 2. Happy new you in the 2 2. Folks, this is your host. Who? It's Radio Strongman, Kim Wade. I am coming to you alive from WYAB 1039 FM. Well, Folks, it is the uh, Monday. It is Monday, the first Monday of the new year, our first show of the new year, and we're glad to be here. And uh, we're going to, well, as we're apt to do here on the Kimway Show, the first show of every year, uh, I take the first hour to talk about me, Radio Strongman. So people know those who've come in over the year, new listeners, et cetera. Find out a little bit about the host, a little bit of background, etc. Of course, we are going to delve into the other topics of the day. Of course, the scam, the uh, coronavirus, COVID scam continues on. And we're going to deal with that in uh, full going forward. But today, it's all about Mike, Radio Strongman. And we're going to be dealing, as I told you guys who are listeners to the last weeks of the Kim Wade show in 2021, that I was going to be taking off the gloves. No more, Mister Nice Guy. You know I've been uh, pussyfooting around uh, with you folks for the last 27 years, and now, folks, I'm going to peel some caps back, cracking some skulls open down to the white meat. And the message is going to go for. Look, we've gone as far as we can go in the direction we're headed as a nation and as a people. I'm talking about black people. That's right, black people. Uh. We're putting up with too much crap. We being Christian patriots and rednecks. Uh, those who are trying to keep the wheels on the wagon of liberty and economic freedom here in this country. We've been putting up with a lot of bozo crap that has to be broken up at the door. And guess what? I'm your Huckleberry. But as we enter into 2022, uh, some of you won't be uh, uh, traveling with us. Some of you are being cut off. You're being sent to the uh parovia woodshed or are you being dismissed and it's because you become too much of a burden dead weight and you know who you are but anyway let's get back to my, my name is Kim Wade and for those of you who don't know I've been doing radio for about 27-28 years now here in Jackson Mississippi I backed into it uh, Started out over at WNPR, buying time. And one of my first sponsors, I always had to give him his props, was Ed Seacrest moving in storage over there in Vicksburg. Ed's a good man. He stood, I mean, he he was a soldier. My second sponsor, the second check I got for underwriting the program was from Matt Friedman. And uh, I thank them for, Matt gave me my start. I I was a, a call in to his show. There at WJNT and then occasional uh, uh, sit-in host on Fridays when he would have uh, uh, listeners come in and co-host with him and develop some legs, as they say, and uh, ended up doing my own show. Actually, I got started in radio because of uh, Congressman Benny G. Thompson. The G stands for graph, and I affectionately call him the Black Homer Simpson. Homer! Benny had just gotten his uh, congressional seat there in Congress, and uh, um, he was on Doctor. I mean, he was on Charles Tisdale's show. You know, when he was running for office for the Congress, he was talking about white people this and white people that. You couldn't trust them, and he's going to break it up at the door, and he's going to be, you know, Mister Black, Mister Blacker than Black, and all that kind of crap. The first bill he signed off on first bill he voted for was gun control. And I called into the show and said, hey, fathead. I didn't call him fathead, but anyway, I said, now, you told us when you were running it that we need to be concerned and worried about white people doing this to us and doing that to us and what they had done, yada, yada, yada. So why would the vote, first vote you take be to disarm us, everybody? Oh, he got this stammering and stuttering. Then he said, who is this? Who are you? I should have said Radio Strongman. But at the time I was not using that moniker. I was the voice of black conservatism in the state of Mississippi. And uh, so he dressed me down by, you know, basically saying, you know, I didn't have the portfolio or the stamina or the weight to be questioning him about his vote. But see, there's a pattern here that you're going to see throughout my discussions here about those who talk that black talk the most. Those are the ones who sell you out the most. I mean, they'll stab you in the back and the con Tom has never failed to deliver when it comes to the backstabbing. So I said, I'm going to get me a radio program and tell it like I see it. And you know, I was writing off the, uh, uh, using my, uh, the advertising, uh, I was using the radio program to underwrite advertising and vice versa. Talk about my real estate. Uh, and so I started doing the program and for seven or eight years I paid for out, out of my pocket probably about twenty some thousand dollars because I believed in the message and the message resonated then I got picked up by a commercial station WJNT and as they say the rest is history. you know I had a, a I was overpaying my Sam's Club bill on Sunday or Saturday and uh, there's a young man in, in line ahead of me. And he recognized me. I didn't recognize him. It turned out, I had he had done interview, he had interviewed me for his podcast, and he made the point. I hadn't even thought about it like that. He said, "You know," he said, "I like your program and yada yada yada." Uh, he said, "He said I respect the fact that you stand on your own." And he said, "Those other guys talk about you being bought out and all that kind of stuff." He said, "But he said all the other talk show hosts are taking money under the table to take positions to do that." He said, "Now you got sponsors. Everything's everything's out in the open. You say what you're going to say. Your sponsors don't tell you what to say. And you know that is true. I hadn't thought about it like that. But to make a long story short, that's how I ended up in radio. So you can thank Benny Thompson. And believe it or not, folks, the show that I, uh, uh, the time slot that I got when I went to commercial radio. And see, this is what people don't understand about radio. This is commercial radio. This is not public radio." See, people come over here thinking they're going to get free airtime to talk about this, that, and the other. No, that's not the way it works, particularly when you're running for office. So, as a result, folks get a little salty. Oh, man, he, he, he no, you ain't getting nothing free here, hoss. Got to get paid. They call me get paid. Wait, I got to have it. More money, more money, more money. And you should want to see a brother succeed. I'm the only commercial uh, talk show host in the state of Mississippi, who happens to be also black and conservative or black, period. Though some would say, I don't know about that black stuff. His credentials are questioned. Fine. You take that crap. I don't need that. But anyway, be that as it may, I am here now talking to you. And my message has not changed. Those of you who were followers of the program from earlier on, you know, my message has not changed. I ain't backed up, ain't bowed down, ain't bent over. And it's not going to change. You know why? Because the template of the word of God is what I lay over what you hear me bring to you every day. Do I get it right all the time? No, I don't get it right. But the word is always going to be right. And I rest on the assurance that the Lord is going to lord over his word. So I'm not going to be found uh, in error or contradicted on the things you hear me say, because the purpose of me saying what I'm saying is because I'm the watchman on the wall. I cover the ground. I stand on them. And then many folks can't can't accept that they can't they have a hard time with people who are certain of their positions. Oh, man, can't nobody be that certain. Oh, yes, they can. As they told us that in in college, do like Maynard Jackson does every time Maynard Jackson stood and stepped in front of the microphones, his positions were grounded in truth, facts and or the law. And our professor said, if you do that, you won't get knocked off center. And guess what? That's been good advice. But anyway, let's go back to the beginning. I was born in Decatur, Illinois. I'm the last out of 11 kids. I'm the seventh son of William and Carolyn Wade. In my household, in our household, I never, ever heard my parents talk about or complain about race or racism, never. I just don't recall it. And I know they experienced it. My dad was a coal miner in uh, Kentucky. Uh, What was his name? In Madisonville, Kentucky. Then moved up to Illinois, met my mom, But at the dinner table, I never heard that and never. So we didn't have those blinders. At least I didn't have those blinders put on me walking around with a chip on my shoulders, hating white people. Didn't have that. It's a different thing for those of you grew up in the South. You know, you were under the thumb of white Democrats, some of the most evil SOBs God has ever allowed to trial this earth. When you think about racism, Jim Crow, slavery and all that, you're thinking white Democrats, which is another story in and of itself why black folks now have become the tent pole of that that evil organization. But anyway, my parents never did talk about it. And uh to make a long story short, I graduated from Joliet Central. I went to we uh well I went to live with my brother in 7th 7th grade cuz I had gotten in back that time, you know, there was always uh unrest in the city across the nation because of uh, the you know, the civil rights movement and then when Dr. King got killed and yada yada yada. Anyway, I ended up there in uh, Joliet, Illinois, living with my oldest brother, Jack. Jack uh, was like a father figure to me. He was my oldest; I was the youngest. And uh, he basically turned my cap around. I mean, I was flunking out of school. I was headed south. I was, I was, Stateville bound. I was headed to jail. Hold up, man. Twenty after. Twenty after. Uh, Stateville bound and uh, uh, he turned my cap around his lovely bride Aretha took time with me uh, helped me get through math uh, class I mean I remember sitting there at the kitchen table she her head in her hand trying to help me with math anyway they drug me kicking and screaming through junior high and uh, I remember my brother Jack because I told him I wanted to go back to Decatur I said I I don't like it up here I'm ready to go back you know I'm Sullen, you know, the whole insolence thing that you get when you're a teenager and all that, you know So I'm sitting in the bedroom With two uh, single beds in there on either side of the wall So you got the little room that little space in between the two beds He's sitting on one bed. I'm sitting on the other and i'm telling him what i'm feeling what i'm thinking and yada 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 And he reached out and slapped me i'm talking about just dude, he turned my water on He had me eating soup for like two weeks and I swore it in. I said, once I get my weight up, boy, you you have a, a butt whooping in waiting. I don't care if I'm 95 years old on a walker. You're going to have to take this. You're going to have to take this one. And uh turns out that did turn my cap around. It gave me a whole new perspective on life. To make a long story short, I ended up graduating from Joliet Central High School. And from there, I worked at a school district, uh, Little three three schools. Three schools were in the district. Is in an unincorporated area called Lockport, Illinois. Or, well, it wasn't Lockport. It was in between Lockport and Joliet. It was called the Hill area of Joliet. And Joliet is nothing but North Mississippi. Everybody up there is from Mississippi. Yeah, I know the Travises and the Whitfields and the Duets from down there in uh, Utica and Raymond area and all those folks like that. Uh, Whitfields was from the uh, Newton-Morton area. I mean, Newton, yeah, Newton-Morton Travis was from the Philadelphia, Newton, and Hattiesburg area. And uh, I worked up there. Mr. Vern Dillon, who was from Bay Springs, saw me on the news from, you know, because during high school, you know, I was the rabba rouser. I was the leader. I was the one, yada, yada, yada. So he said, son, you know, we're going to keep you out of trouble on here. Go up there and you can get this job. And I took a job as a janitor. And that uh, was one of the best moves that that ever happened to me. Because I got introduced to HBCUs by one of the uh, principals up there. I had not heard of, I mean, I had heard of Morehouse, but I hadn't heard of all the other ones. So, uh, uh, ended up taking the uh, Upward Bound tour of the black colleges and yada, yada, yada. So, I left there and they gave me a good send off, a little cash offering and yada, yada, yada. let me collect unemployment for about six months and uh, helped me get my foothold down there in Atlanta. And uh, got down to Atlanta and had went to Morehouse got in got into Morehouse. Went there and uh, the first the first year they take care of the freshmen. They make sure the freshmen have a place to stay. The second time, the second, nah, you you're on your own. So while I'm waiting on my whatever the money was uh, to come in, I didn't have no place to stay. I was sleeping on the drafting tables there in May's Hall, and uh, for about two weeks. And finally, I got taken in by a pastor and his family. And y'all might know uh, Mitzi Bickers, the one that's Tony Yarborough's friend. Her dad stayed with them, and uh, uh, stayed with them about a year, year and a half, and uh, that that really helped out because man, I was living from pillar to post, but I didn't want to go back home. Uh, Mitzi's uncle Joseph Bickers was one of the old heads who gradu- who came out of World War II, and uh, uh, they were part of that old money from Atlanta. Uh, And so I was in, I was in good company in terms of being able. And then they Maynard Jackson got us all jobs out at Eastern airlines when they were building the airport. Anyway, let's take a break here. Our number is 601-879-0002. We'll be right back. All right, folks, we're back and it's Monday. First Monday of the new year. Happy new you in 22. Folks, uh, I want to remind you the AC doctor stands at the ready to help you with all your HVAC needs. If you're, uh, heating unit is not heating properly and it needs to be because it was cold it was cold yesterday and it was cold today so you need to be prepared call the acdr right now and that's right the ac doctor his number is 601-706-4551 601-706-4551 and the web address for the ac doctor acdr.com he stands at the right, and i commend him to you highly he is he's he's a straight up uh, uh businessman he handles his business he loves the Lord, but he doesn't wear it on his sheet on his on his sleeves. But you'll see it in the service that he delivers a man of integrity. I commend him to you highly. 706-4551. All right, folks, it is uh, on a, the first day of the new year. And what we do here on the Kim Wade show for those listeners who have joined us uh, throughout the year. This is a little background on me, your host, Radio Strongman. And so what you're hearing is my background, a little bit about it anyway. So uh, I left off, I guess, uh, about being there at Morehouse, and I was heavily influenced uh, by uh, my time there at Morehouse. We did have a chapel, and uh, Doctor Mays was still alive. He was president emeritus at that time, and uh, one of the things that is and and not taught routinely uh, in many of these colleges that are, are church affiliated, or non-public, if you will, the Tugaloos and the uh, uh, places like that and the Morehouse's and Spellman's and things like that. But service to others its not about you. It's not about you and your rights. It's about you, your rights and your responsibilities. Nowadays, people are just taught about all this victimology stuff that somebody else is the reason why they're not as whatever they aspire to be or they think they want to be. Truth of the matter is, get your crap together. You can be what you want to be. We're not going to be taking calls for the first while, so you know you can call and be on hold if you like, but there won't be any calls because the reason why I, I want to continue on what I'm what I'm trying to deliver here. But we will get the calls today. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be hogging the whole show. But anyway, uh, I was heavily influenced uh, by that. And during commencement week, Minister Farrakhan spoke at our. Baccalaureate. Uh, that was on a Thursday, and he spoke for three hours to a full house for three hours. The auditorium was full; people standing on the on the outside of the aisles listening, and uh, the whole three hours, and he never raised his voice. You know, he is a showman. He he knows how to engage an audience. And one of the things that he said that caused me to join the Nation of Islam, as I pointed out to you earlier, I wasn't raised in a household where people complained about racism and everything else. And I know my mom and dad experienced. I remember going down to Kentucky uh, and not being in the car having car problems and not being able to uh, uh, access services at the uh, uh, service station. I remember that. And this black couple. Uh, came by and was helping us on our way. And the guy said, I'm a mechanic, but I'm going to church now. And he said, y'all can go to church with Lord. I thought we had to call SWAT team to get us out of there. Don't people, man, look, I want to tell the preacher, hey, man, I promise I'll come back. You ain't got to tell me about everything you know about Jesus today. Okay. But luckily, you know, we had the fried chicken uh, stuff, so we weren't hungry, but still I was ready to go. Anyway, they got us on our way. But getting back to Morehouse, okay, Minister Farrakhan spoke, and uh, he said something that caused me to join. That's following Saturday. He said, there's no unemployment problem in the black community. He said, there's an attitude problem. He said, too many blacks have the attitude that, until you, you know, I've got me an a, a engineering degree from Tuskegee, I got me a a, a, a political science degree from Morehouse, I've got whatever from Hampton and yada, yada, yada. And until you're willing to pay me $300 an hour for my law degree license and my engineering license, I can't help you. Minister Farrakhan said, if that's what you're waiting on, if you're waiting to get paid X number of dollars an hour before you would get up and do something, he said, there may not be any work for you. He said, but there's plenty of work to be done. And that resonated with me because I've always wanted to see black people do better. I want to see people do better, but I want to see. I didn't want us to be the hobos of of humanity walking around begging and with our hands out and, and always in need and in lack. That bothered me, bothered me to this day. So I joined the nation and believe it or not, folks. At that time, the child murder, the child uh, Atlanta murders were going on with the boys. Minister Farrakhan had uh, just stood up, as, as he termed it. In other words, he had left, you know, uh, Elijah Muhammad, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad had passed on, and his son had taken over the nation. His son had become an Orthodox Muslim, and many folks didn't want that. The difference between Orthodox Muslim is the same as some people perceive uh Search the Church of Scientology or Mormonism or whatever it is to Christianity. And that's how they view the nation of Islam, the Orthodox Muslims. But anyway, Minister Faircon decided to go back to the old ways of doing things, which was following the teachings of Elijah Muhammad. So when I joined the nation, then that's when he had stood back up. So he tasked us, the Atlanta uh, Mosque, with finding out what was going on with the child murders. It, it was volatile. And there's some things I have to take to my grave with me that happened. And I, to make a long story short, Wayne Williams was not the, he, he may have done something to somebody. He didn't commit all those murders. Back at that time, there were people were still having their TVs repaired. And uh, we had zeroed in on some KKK members who had a TV repair shop right there at Piedmont and five, five point, I want to say Piedmont and Row, whatever it is, it came together in a triangle. Matter of fact, they had a gentleman's club that subsequently later that they located down near there. But this uh, TV repair people, they repaired the TVs of about four households whose young men end up coming up dead so we had zeroed in on that and set outside uh their homes tailed them all that kind of stuff so we turned the information over to the atlanta task force i mean the uh yeah, the other task force they didn't want to touch it number one it was turned over by the nation of islam Number two, it was the KKK. And number three, Maynard didn't want his city burnt down. So they did nothing with it. From what I hear, a couple people lost their lives. That's what I hear behind that. And they won NOI. So to make a long story short, we were intimately involved with the child Atlanta murders uh, investigation, etc. By that time, I had finished uh, uh, a tech school. I was on my way to the Air Force. All they were lacking was a copy of my birth certificate, and so I had to send back to Illinois to get that. So they said it's going to be two weeks where I could get it. Well, in the meantime, I got a flyer or a letter or something in the mail saying, "Hey, you can go to Control Data Institute." Get the same thing that you were going to the Air Force for. You know what I'm saying? Cool. Then they're going to pay me. Cool. So I jumped on our, I, today I wish I'd have went on to the Air Force, but I jumped on it. They took care of us and uh, ended up getting hired on with a company called Paradigm. Paradigm was later bought out by AT&T. AT&T, Paradigm, AT&T, uh, Avaya. Uh, it was all, I changed jobs sitting at the same desk at least three or four times. They put us on the install team. We went all around the country installing equipment. Then they said, "Okay, it's the end of the install team for this particular project." And what we were doing, we were installing equipment for the Social Security Administration called SADARS. And um, they said, "We got. I want to say we have five locations available. You guys pick one." I think they had Atlanta, Birmingham, Miami. New Orleans and Jackson, Mississippi. Nobody wanted to go to Jackson. Well I had been to Jackson I had a good time. I had been to been Mississippi I had a good time I didn't cool and uh, out of those uh minorities who got hired when I did, I was the only one who left on my own volition. Everybody else got whatever. but I got to the, I had one boss who just didn't like me, you know that's what I learned a long time ago. I learned at that time. When you're in a situation, you're on a job, and your boss is giving you the business for whatever reason, this is what you do. You make sure you know your job description and do it. But make sure you know his job description. And this guy thought he had me dead to write on something. Came down here, that's when they had the Sheridan down there where the Department of Homelands, Department of Human Services is now. Called me up to his room early in the morning. Gonna give me the. Man, I laid that. Well, the bottom line is he didn't fire me. And that's when I realized, okay, so I'm going to study his job. And when I caught him sideways, when I caught him slipping, because we were going back and forth, I'm saying, no, you got to respond to me in triplicate. You got to do this, this, and this. And finally it got so high up that the regional director got involved. And so they called me to Memphis. I went to Memphis. And uh, I'm getting out the car, walking up to uh, to the office in the regional director, who I didn't know, timed it so he, he and I would be walking in the building together. And he was, and I found out later, he was trying to check out my confidence. He wanted to know, was I going on a job site with a chip on my shoulders? Was I angry? And No, I was jovial. Hey, you know, yada, 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 we were chit-chatting on the elevator. Then we get to find out that's who it is. So he had a choice to defend, I mean, to believe me, either me or my district manager. Guess who he believed? He believed me. You know what he asked me? He said, what you want me to do? You want me to fire him? I said, no. Keep him there. Guess what? I had the most secure job going forward. Our number 601-879-0002. Let's take a quick break. All right, folks, we're back. And it is the first day of the new year. Radio Strongman is in the house giving a little breakdown about my background. So hopefully you'll uh, find it of note where you can say okay that's why he's crazy like he is but first i want to tell you about frederick sales and service that's right david frederick he started this thing over 25 years ago and going strong has a good customer base a good loyal following because they give great customer service and they have great products for instance they have the x mark more the x mark more is preferred two to one by lawn care professionals it's a workhorse it gets things done is it a real pretty and got all the pretty colors and all that no it works so it allows you to get your job in, and that's what the uh, lawn care professionals want. So stop by today. They've got financing available, and they got certification to go with their claims and experience a thousand X marks owners that it's good. It's really good. So now, right now, you can buy an X Mark with 0% financing and get a free Visa gift card uh, worth up to $500. That way, you can go and get the uh, weed eater, the blower, the whole nine yards. And plus, they service all lawn care equipment there at Frederick Sales and Service, located Old Highway 471 in downtown Brandon, right by the railroad tracks. As they would say, come on down. Check them out on the web, FrederickSalesAndService.com. All right, folks, getting back. Uh, Where was I? Anyway, do you remember where I was? I don't remember where I was. Yeah, uh, you were talking about. <laughs> My producer here, Clay Edwards, is standing in for Cliff. Cliff is down at Disney World. Oh, yeah, pay attention to what your boss is doing. Anyway, I had one of the most secure jobs, and actually me and the guy got along fine after that when he realized I had the power of life and death over his income, and I didn't pull the trigger. And that's an old Machiavellian move. You know, sometimes you saw that in in Scarface when uh, Tony Montana let that guy live, and he turned out to be one of his best soldiers. But to make a long story short, I mean, you know, I I had a good run there. uh, Got in, like I said, I've always sold real estate, uh, when I was in Joliet, I went to Joliet Junior College, and there was an old Mississippi boy from Kosciuszko named Theba Foster. Theba was uh, teaching real estate out there, and he saw me and a guy named Monty. He said, man, you guys need to take these courses. You need to just have this. He said, you can go anywhere with this here, yada, yada, yada. So I took the real estate courses, and when I got to Atlanta, sure did, got my license, and I got to working for J.T. Bickers, the brother, as I was telling you, Joseph Bicker. And uh, JT was a he was a boss. He was a boss. I mean, he was one of those old Atlanta players, old money. His son Ron is still around there. Ron and I was at Morehouse at the same time. And uh, uh so I, I did that. Look, I told you about the Travises, uh, who were who were my supervisors there at uh when I was a janitor. Um uh, Charles had told me this, and then my mom took me down there to the credit union gate and got a loan. She said, "We well, ain't got no money to go to college. If you want to go, you go on. You know, get a loan." So I got a loan, but I was able to pay when I came out of college. I didn't have any debt. No, I take it back. I had a hundred fifty dollars left on my bill, and my mom insisted that she pay that. No, 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 no. I'm gonna pay this, and she did. But it's because I, I had hadn't gotten my I had gotten my real estate license, and every now and then I had to. T- uh, some twos and fuse, and like i said i was working at eastern airlines i was you know i was i was grinding and uh and i just thank god for that so you folks out there racking up all that debt it ain't necessary we had one brother on the dorm he had turned he, he was a he was the pawn shop i had one brother who had a a gold coin a heavy gold coin that he would use the pawn if he needed money that his parents or grandparents gave him he came from sweden he was We called him the Mad Cubano because he was half white. And uh, uh, I don't know where Philippe is, Philippe Philippe Halsey. Uh, The gentleman who was head of Homeland Security uh, under Barack Obama. He was on our floor. Uh, Marty King was my classmate. We we did some study groups together. And uh, I guess they kicked me out. This guy's dragging down the line up in here. But anyway, we had some good times over there. Uh, But to make a long story short, My time there in Atlanta held me in good stead and my time in the nation of Islam held me in good stead because when I got nobody wanted to come to Mississippi. So I chose Mississippi and I came down here. But it held me in good stead understanding uh, race relations. And uh, Elijah Muhammad, if anybody who has studied his teachings and anybody said under his teachings know that he goes through a lot teaching the nature of people and the nature of of, of races. and, uh, And it held me in good stead. In terms of dealing with folks so I wasn't scared or intimidated. You know, I was just, a, you know, but what I found out from moving around, like I said, I've been in every county in Mississippi. But I found out that what I thought were would be racist people here in Mississippi. These are some of the most gracious, nicest, give you the shirt off your back type folks. Now, if you want to act the fool, you'll find some folks who go (laughs) act the fool with you but you carry yourself with respect and give respect and you're going to get it. And what I found most astounding about my travels throughout Mississippi, wasn't the poverty. It wasn't the physical poverty. It was the spiritual poverty. And after having spent 40 years here in Mississippi, the spiritual poverty is coming from black folks, so-called black leaders. And we're going to get into that further on down the road here. We're going to, we're going to interwove that into, uh, the background, uh, how I ended up here in Mississippi. And so when I left Morehouse, like I said, I went on the install team, traveled around the country, came here, ended up settling here in Mississippi. I remember driving up to uh, uh, Greenville in a rental car. And I promise you, it had to be the darkest place on the planet at night, coming down 61, or was it Highway 1 or one of them? I said, "Lord Jesus," and I remember I ended up having some car problems in a rental car. <sighs> I see these headlights come up behind me. This white guy gets out this truck. I mean, he looked like white guy from Central Casting. He had—he looked like Red Neckerson, somebody out of Hee Haw, flat top. I said, "Oh Lord, I'm doomed, doomed!" I tell you. And at that time, I was not packing. Because, you know, you're not supposed to carry a gun when you, you know, whatever. But uh, he came and helped me out, got me on my way, and, you know, good guy. You know, didn't think no more. But to him, you know, just, hey, just a, 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 another travel on life's highway that he could help. And that's what I started seeing things a lot differently. You know, I just started seeing the, uh, I remember riding through um, Isola, Mississippi. And those, you know, Isola, they had that one little, gas station there at that four-way stop and i remember riding through there and seeing his brother sitting out on his crate outside and then the white guy was inside in the air and i'm thinking you know this is my social justice moment you know we need to something gonna have to be dead about this here situation and then later on wisdom had told me wait a minute this guy might have the best job in town for a young black man i'm coming up there messing up his grind You know, he done got used to the heat sitting out there. So at that time, he still had self-service. And uh, uh, so I just learned that, you know what, man, some of these small towns, if you had caught any kind of work, you counted all joy. So I learned a lot traveling around the state. Uh, uh, I've been in and out of offices. And I know you could go into offices. You know, I I worked on data. I worked in the data field. And uh, uh, you could walk into offices and tell, who was actually, I mean, what kind of work atmosphere it was. I remember going to the Social Security office in Tupelo. They had a guy, uh, Taggart. Man, that guy was hard on folks. I mean, those folks were living in fear. And then when they got a new manager after Taggart retired, then you could just see the people relax. But I could walk into an office and tell, what kind of management they had, whether or not they were working under duress and everything else. It was just an interesting aspect of it. But as I sit back and look at it, all those things held me in good stead. Being in the nation held me in good stead coming here to Mississippi. I did have I did come in with a lot of chips on my shoulders as far as male chauvinism is concerned. And, uh, you know, my wife, Nicole, she caught a lot of it. God bless her soul. God rest her soul. Uh, Because I was a fool. I was a straight up fool in terms of had I, you know, Listened. Now had I had somebody spoke into my life and said, Boy, you're gonna get your throat cutting up here <laughs> cut up here with this foolishness. But anyway, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, folks, we're back and it is Monday. I Wanna remind you, guns and gear at Highway 51 in Gluckstead at Yandale Road, folks, for all your shopping experience when it comes to guns, uh, ammunition accessories guns and gear has it check them out on the web gunsandgearms.com. for the weekend clinker or competitive shooter or survivalist they have it all there at guns and gear folks they're known throughout central mississippi for their professionalism and their knowledge guns and gear all right folks you've been listening to the kim wade story and i've gotten to a good portion of the next hour we're going to weave it into where we find ourselves at today And what is the thrust of the Kim Way show? Why do I do what I do? Why do I say what I say? And as many of you have discovered, tack is not my strong suit. But I cover the ground that I stand on. And many people get mad and beat on their dashboard and their radio on the the dashboard and call me names. But you know what they don't call me? Liar. They just say they don't like what I say. They don't like how I say it. I understand that. But you can't evade reality and you can't evade the truth. Nor can you evade the consequences of both. So when you plead brain damage, when you get moved around the chess table because you're not a critical thinker, you're going to pay a price. And we're paying a price now as a nation and as black people. The city of Jackson has the highest murder rate in the nation per capita. And there's a reason for it. Because black people. And the black community is on the verge of collapse. And we don't want to own up to it. We still want to finger point. We still want to plead brain damage as to who really at fault. We're going to delve into that in more detail in the next hour. And when we come back, we will be taking calls towards the end of the hour. But the main thing is I wanna I wanna get something across here. We've gone as far as we can go in the direction we're headed. Our nation is collapsing. We need men. We need men who are not going to bend and bow, who are not going to be afraid to put it all on the line. Because the forces of evil that are arrayed against us, they say that they're willing to do it. The question is, are you? And I'm telling you now, I'm sitting back with my fingers crossed to break some of this crap up at the door. So won't you join me as they say, as we say on Wednesday, won't you come? Won't you come? So we're going to pick it all up in the next hour and we'll be back in about seven or eight minutes. We'll be right back. All right, folks, we're back and it is it's Monday. First Monday of the new year, January 3rd. Happy birthday to my great granddaughter, KK. She's nine years old today. She's good to go. I had a great time uh, visiting with them uh over the holidays and i uh, tell you what i got a good crew i'm really 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 i got i got to have a grandson and a great grandson the great grandson's a little shorter than the grandson who's a little taller i mean obviously a little tall if he's the other one's a little shorter but they're the same age so they came over to the table i said who's the tallest so you know kids jump up and do the who's the tallest thing and uh mari said i'm the tallest and i said "Mari's the tallest." And my, the youngest one, the I mean, the littlest one, he grabs my grandson by the throat. <laughs> I'm talking about just, I took I caught it all on camera. It, it was just funny. But those kids, uh, uh, I love it. That's why I keep telling these the, uh, all these so-called medical experts, you can play with my kids if you want to. You better pray to the God you serve. None of them go for the count with, your, with that BS jabs you're talking about. Because I'm going to tell you now, I'm going to be inconsolable. I'm going to be extremely narrow-minded. And my position is eye for an eye. Kill mine, you kill mine, you kill mine. Now, if you can't stand pain, leave me and mine alone. That's all I'm asking. Leave us alone. But see, these people don't want to leave us alone. But anyway, I'm not going to go down that road right now. Getting back to the to the story. Anyway, I ended up uh, here in Mississippi. Had, had a good run. October 26th of this past uh, October was 40 years here in the SIP. And uh, uh, I can't complain life has been good but you know what it never really i mean all the trash you hear me talking on the radio yada 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 it never really sunk into me how much these democrat heads and white democrats in particular hated me i'm talking about see my pastor at the time was a, a elder Eddie Brown, he made a point. He said, your enemies just don't like you. But your foes, they don't like you, and they're going to take affirmative steps to codify that dislike and hatred towards you. In other words, they're going to do something to you. And I didn't realize that when I joined the Tea Party and got involved with the Tea Party and was one of the organizers of the Central Mississippi Tea Party here 12 years ago, did I realize how evil white Democrats could be? And in particular, Benny Thompson, who was basically a white Democrat in a Homer Simpson suit. We were going to D.C. I was traveling to D.C., driving up there. That's when my first, that's when they lobbed the first grenade at me. And I didn't realize it. They attacked my real estate. They attacked my radio. They attacked they got me fired from the radio. And they ran me through the ringer in real estate. Brought me, I mean, they I mean they they broke a brother down like a shotgun. But for God, holding my arms up. And I took it all in stride. And and, and to those who perpetrated all that legal drama against me, Hawse. Trust me. It ain't over. I'm just not going out of my way. But I got all those documents there that have been filed in the court that you said. These are your words. They're going to come back to haunt you. Bleed that. But now, like I said, we're not going to belabor that. I got other things I got to be about right now. It ain't no big deal. But don't you get it twisted. It ain't over. It ain't over. I just learned a different way to go about it anyway it took me the longest time to really because i mean you know when you're young you know you get punched you just roll with the punches you get up and give give as good as you got so i reinvented myself and reinvented myself back when you know when they were doing all those uh uh high interest loans and stuff like that y'all remember my commercials? the prestige difference we were getting we were getting folks interest rate at 0.10 percent that's One-tenth of a percent for 30 years fixed. Do you know who the uh, uh, insurance or the mortgage commission, what is it? Who is the mortgage commission insurance? Whoever whoever handles a a, a mortgage banking commission. They came and investigated me. I'm saying, wait a minute. You got people slamming people in these houses at interest rate they can't afford. And I'm putting them in houses where every payment they make is a savings. I mean, it's money in the bank. But I was being attacked. I didn't realize it. It just didn't, you know, I just figured it's the cost of doing business, yada, 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 there's haters out there. Teeny did I realize how much these people hated me. So anyway, we kept on rolling. And then, again, you got to factor in the Negro problem, too. Black folks are full of crap, I'm telling you. If black folks would be honest, the biggest threat to the black community black people in particular black Democrats because they ain't a whole lot I mean we're not ate up with critical thinkers amongst this crowd I'll tell you that now we got some folks who get emotional we got some folks with a field hand uh, mentality they reject everything that's systematic but anyway I'm, I'm going off course here Let me let me get back to alright this is what I have discovered haven't been here all these years. The black community owes Mississippi. They owe America. They owe humanity an apology. What? Yeah, I said it. This generation of black leaders in particular have ruined the black community. They've wasted and squandered opportunities like you wouldn't believe. You know why they've done it? This generation of black leaders are the sons of Jesse, the sons of Jesse Jackson. A seminal period period in the history of America in general, but the black community in particular was the year 1968. That's when they killed Dr. King. They killed Bobby Kennedy. And they installed Jesse Jackson as head of the Negroes in America. Jesse, who I believe was complicit in the murder of Dr. King, set Dr. King up. And there's much evidence to suggest that's exactly what happened. Jesse was on the payroll of the FBI, I believe, in their counterintelligence program. Jesse's job once installed as the head Negro in charge was to remove the spiritual underpinnings which the white devil Democrats could not fade that Dr. King was the head of. And I'll call white Democrats, you know, as my time in the Nation of Islam, you know, Elijah Muhammad was famous for saying the white man was the devil. No, white Democrats are the devil. They're the most evil SOBs that has ever walked this planet. They do more harm to humanity and everything they promote does not promote life. Everything they promote is death. You see those billboards on the highway? Sponsored by some white, rich liberals who done got together a group of black women's groups and they putting up billboards that saying that abortion is, liber- is liberation. Folks, that ain't nothing but the devil. But I'm going to get to that. Jesse's job was to remove the spiritual underpinnings of the civil rights movement. And every year, if you were to plot this on a compass, Every year, and the Compass being due north with Dr. King in charge, pointed due north with Dr. King was alive and in charge. Every year after his death, and under the steerage and leadership of uh, Jesse Jackson, Jesse moved the spiritual underpinnings of the civil rights movement one degree south. And right now, we're almost 180 degrees. We're headed out the back door as a community, as a movement. It's not a movement anymore. It's a hustle. It's a scam. And what Jesse ushered in was the error of the selfish black leader. That's why nothing's getting done. That's why nobody cares about anything getting done because they're paying one group. They pay Benny. They ain't got to pay nobody else because blacks are so loyal to the soil of these devils who are make up the uh, Democrat Party, these white devils in the Democrat Party. They they ain't got to feed nobody else, just feed Benny. And all the rest will stare at Benny in envy while their stomachs are growling and still be content with the status quo. That's not Willie Lynch, that's silly lynch. So as we sit back and, and, and watch what's happening in the black community now, we're not catching hell. We're earning hell. It's like working a 40-hour work week and we expecting a paycheck on Friday. How's we getting it? We're getting it in the mass murder that our kids are sociopath kids who we've abandoned. If we if we didn't abort them, we abandon abandoning them when they get here either through neglect, parental neglect, educational neglect, or any other kind of neglect you can come up with. And yet we sit back and let Benny tell us the problem is is with white racism. No, the problem is you won't share. When you left Bolton, Mississippi to go to Hines County to be a supervisor, as when you left there as a mayor, you was promising to do everything. You said you had the you had a solution and the cure for everything from bad breath to bunions. And yet we still waiting on some kind of something from you. But Jesse ushered in the Bennies of the world. They boomed off the stage the Dr. Peoples and the Dr. Washingtons and the Henry Kirkseys and put in place these billionaires' attorneys who made good money. But now, can't anybody figure out what black folks need? they standing up there in two, $3,000 suits, lecturing us on, you can be tall. Wait a minute, Hoss. I need some marks. I need some dollar bills. I need some pesos, homie. And yet they can't figure out what you need. But they'll go to Las Vegas with a white girl on each arm and roll dice all night long. Y'all don't hear me. Won't nobody else say this. I ain't scared. I'm telling y'all, the problem is black Democrats in particular. But white Democrats in general. Black folks have become the ten pole of the very organization that gave us Jim Crow slavery. And all its harsh degradations, variations, and gradations. And then we sit up here and let somebody tell us the problems with the statute. The problems with the flag. Because you're not critical thinkers. You're being led around by your nose. But then you don't have a, a pastor who would tell you true. truth. You've heard me say time and time again, we need theologians. Dr. King was a theologian. Dr. Mays was a theologian. They could see the word of God and its implication and its application from beginning to end. These little popcorn preachers that everybody's got a degree, they don't understand. Oh, they understand passages of scripture. They don't understand the totality of it. The evidence is, is in the quality of life in the areas where they're teaching this crap. Oh, we got some difficult days ahead. Our number is 601-879-0002. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, folks, we're back. Hey, I want to remind you, the criminal justice system is complex. If you're accused, then you must make the right choice to defend your name. If you have just one call, then call Coletti. John M. Coletti. Coletti and associates knows how to navigate the courts and will work zealously to clear you, a friend, or a loved one. Complex and white-collar cases need an experienced defender. They need John M. Coletti put your mind at ease call John M. Coletti he's ready to help if you have just one call then call Coletti John M. Coletti 601-355-6277 355-6277 or online at ColettiLaw.com that's C-O-L-E-T-T-E Law.com John M. Coletti all right folks We're talking about, I was talking about the collapse of the black community. Now, we have done, you know, I told you I was being attacked. I didn't know it. I mean, because me, my whole thing is if I could help somebody, I could help. You know, I'll do what I can. When I had my restaurant, they never would give me a liquor license. Went over nine months, I had to put in five different applications. Go back and change this. Go back and change that. Go back and do this. Go back and do that. Never would give me a license. The last thing they told me to do you need to change your legal status from an LLC to an Inc. So I open up another business, same name LLC. One was LLC, one was Inc. Same name. Still wouldn't give me a license. So I just said, "Look, man, give me the money. We we'll just sell beer and wine, whatever." This is what they did. They set me up. Teeny did I realize, and I didn't. I didn't clear that. I mean, I didn't cancel that uh, ink at the Secretary of State's office. And I know who was. I'm going to say they came in and set me up on a premise liability lawsuit. At the time, I thought it was just an incident that happened. I thought I was just, you know, stuck like Chuck. I ran into, this is when they had Kroger's down on uh, Terry Road. I ran into a white boy I knew back when I was with the phone company. He worked for the state. He had changed and started working for another state agency. He said, yeah, man, how you doing? Yada, yada, yada. we sitting there, standing there chopping it up. He said, yeah, man, they set you up. I said, what are you talking about? Yeah, you know, on, on that lawsuit. They came to us and wanted us to get involved with it. And uh, they wanted to set you up to get sued. You know, make, make a charge that somebody got harmed on your property. I said, what? He said, yeah. We wouldn't do it. So there was a local sheriff who's no longer with us now. They sent one of his boys down there because I had hired the sheriff's department to keep order. Teeny did I realize that I was being cased. And they set me up. But that's fine. I mean, you know, the insurance company paid it off. And then when Felonius Frank came on the scene, he got his uh, MBN directorship. He came down to harassing me every weekend for 17 weekends i mean he'd come down there with the nbn helicopters over my door with the floodlight on the front door and you know so anybody going out to have a good time they don't need that kind of hassle they see all those cars down there with the lights flashing he did 17 weekends in a row he'd come in there and run his hands through the little boy's pockets, saying he's looking for ids playing pocket pocket pool with the little boys Finally, I just said, you know what, y'all can have it. I gave the club to Chris Carr and my homeboy, Tony, gave it to him. Walked out, didn't take nothing. I had put over, I know over $300,000 cash in that. But before that happened, we had started partying because they wouldn't give me a liquor license. So we started partying with the college students and then we would have a uh, uh, end of the school year badge for the high schoolers and things like that. When you have a beer and, and, and liquor, I mean, a beer and wine license, you got the same license as Applebee's, and we had a restaurant there. We had the, you know, and so we had the bar area sectioned off where the kids couldn't come in there. You know, we had a guard standing at each entrance to that, so they couldn't even come up in there. And so we started making money, hoss, more money, more money, more money, cash money. Y- y'all don't hear me. Then they were really mad at me. So I come down to the business next day, one day rather, and they done put no parking signs all around. I mean, all four legs, all four corners of the block. No parking signs. On a street that was five lanes wide, that was West Capitol. No parking. I'm saying, what? So the local precinct, whatever, came down there, Hey man, you need to come talk with us, you know well, let me back up before I get to that. but tell the rest of that story. when we were trying to get open, couldn't get my business permit, couldn't get I mean they were screwing me around left and right. had one inspector come down there, you're a businessman. you know how business operate, and this at this time, Lewis had just went down. Lewis Armstrong and the cable vision thing all that we went down. But man I ain't first of all I wasn't gonna pay nothing anyway, but anyway. End up calling uh, uh Charles Ever. Charles Evers called down there, and uh, Charles Ever and Charles Doty. Charles Doty was the one who helped me get in business. Him and Charles Ever put, put they you know they they use their juice. Charles called down and told Mayor Johnson. He said, "Look, this is just like Las Vegas. Let everybody who want to get in business go in business." So we end up getting on in business. Uh, when I went down there to get my uh, permit, my opera, I mean my uh, certificate to operate. They opened my file up, wasn't nothing in there. No paperwork. And I've been, I've been compiling all that paperwork, all those, for almost a year. They they wouldn't even let me turn my gas on. We had to do all that work. Couldn't paint some days because it was too cold. Because they wouldn't let us turn the gas on. They wouldn't give us a permit. They permit. Would, they wouldn't sign off on it. Just Negro mess. That's what I'm saying. Don't tell me about the white man holding us back. This is Negro mess. We went from Jim Crow to Black Crow. Same stuff. Anyway, we finally got in, couldn't get the liquor license, so we started partying with the high schoolers and the uh, uh, college students making money. And matter of fact, Clay Edwards, who's working the boards now, Clay used to come down and party with me one night out of a week. I would make enough money the night that Clay was there that one night to pay all my bills for a month. I mean, that's why he's sitting here today, because I remember that what he did. But at the end of the day, they didn't bother us until we started making money. I had a 14,000 square foot building down there. You know what the capacity the city of Jackson gave me in terms of before they would shut the doors? The same capacity as the Mayflower. Black Crow. Black Crow. Not Jim Crow. Not white folks. us. So I came out there and they said uh, you know I came out and they had all those no parking signs around my building. So my folks ain't got no place to park. So said, you say, you got to come down there and meet with the so-and-so and so-and-so. I said, okay. At that time, Faye Peterson had just won the DA's office. So I called Faye. I said, Faye, you know, these folks want me come. She said, okay. She said, I'll go down there with you. Oh, got down there. Boy, you're a great businessman. God bless you, Kim Wade. We love you. <laughs> All those signs was removed. Nothing was said. They just... Folks, I'm just telling you. At the end of the day, it ain't white people holding us back. It's us with this BS. The folks that are holding you back as a black person, you can reach out and put your hand on them right now. Look, Just look straight ahead in the car. Look straight ahead. You got that crackhead husband. You got that gambling wife. You got somebody who hating on you. You don't win in business and you can't even get your family members to help you. They'll come in and steal from you before they help you. That ain't white folks problem. We have unresolved issues. Because of Jesse ushering in the leadership, the uh, that selfish leadership that no longer taught the responsibilities that those old preachers used to teach. Those old deacons on the morning bitch who used to uphold that standard. Now we don't have that. Is get, matter of fact, it's expected that you steal now that you become a representative. You, you go into office to steal. This is why I told you earlier about Benny. If you sit back and be honest with yourself. It's these set aside Negroes. It's these black for a living. It's these free to land Negroes that got black folks in a trick bag all over this country. They talk about Clarence Thomas being Uncle Tom. They talk about Donald Trump being racist. Donald Trump or Clarence Thomas wasn't trying to break your plate. These Negroes will break your plate, especially if you speak against the Democrat Party. Now, Benny don't know that I know that he was behind a lot of that stuff that happened to me in real estate. I know. it, But it's all good in the neighborhood because you know what? The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. All right, folks, we're back and it is it's Monday, the first Monday of the new year. And I'm just folks, you know, I hope I'm not boring you with this here, but I just want you to get a background that I didn't. I didn't realize how much come in because I was young and I was rolling with the punches. I mean, they shut me down here. I, you know, I'll come up another way, you know, it's no big. but I wasn't expecting. The the backstabbing from black folks the way I did, but you know what? It wasn't just me. They were doing, I remember this lady, God bless her heart. I think she retired from Packard. And she was trying to open up a daycare. The city of Jackson gave that woman so much hell. They gave her just, I mean, and see, this is what I, when I make the joke about not want to go to an all black heaven and I get up there and I see a Negro with a name tag and a clipboard. Oh, crap. I'm screwed for eternity. Because we get in there and act like it's our stuff that we got to get in there. Now, if if, if if the person happened to be one of your frats or whatever, you put some money in the tip jar, you can get something to happen. But see, that's the reason why Jackson's tax tax base is not growing. One of the reasons. See, the permit department is the cash register to the city, along with fines and fees and real estate taxes. After that, there's no other way to make money. So when you got folks down there, the, now I'm not trying to throw aspersions on people everybody work at the uh, uh permit department that's not what i'm saying but that they know who's doing it so my whole point in saying this folks what the black community is looking at is the story of esau and jacob goes back to what i said we need some theologians to preach into our lives to tell these popcorn preachers who just know a little bit about the prosperity gospel to get up there and say, give me 10% and I'm going to speak a good word for you to the Lord. The story of Esau and Jacob, God told Rebecca, there's two types of people in your belly. She didn't say races of people. She said two types of people. One's going to serve the other. Black people are Esau in this equation. You give black people a forest, we'll make a desert out of it. You give Jacob a forest, he's going to expand it, cut down trees, replant them, and keep going. But we don't have preachers who are going to preach into our lives these salient points. The word of God hasn't gone out of fashion, and it ain't stopped working. We just stopped working it. And then we sit up there and let them tell us that it's racism. It's racism. Thomas Sowell said something the other day about social justice. He said, all you people binding to into social justice, and I will say this to black people in particular, the critical race theory crap and all that stuff, where's your preacher on this? He should tell you, son, the basis of critical race theory is envy, one of the seven deadly sins. But yet you embrace it because it appeals to your flesh, as Bernard would point out to you. But yet there's no future in that because it goes against the word of God. And yet you embrace it. And then you sit up here and say, it's the white man holding us back. No, you're in manifest error, brother. You can't get right. It's not going to work out. You are self-checked. Remember when we used to hear education was the key? These same devils in the Democrat Party have you out there spouting public education is the key? Oh, really? Well, what if the public education is not educating? Well, it's the institution we need to keep. Why? What about keeping the institution of slavery? Because it's the same thing. You just taking care of your own upkeep now. Brother, think. Think. We got everybody and their mama with a degree advanced degrees and pass the advanced degrees but don't have a degree of understanding about life the evidence is where in 153 murder bodies lying in the streets of jackson and yet we try to pretend like ain't nothing wrong there is something wrong we've gone as far as we can go in the direction that we're headed now all you folks who dropped salt on me because you didn't like what i was saying guess what balls in your court you got a you got a mellow of a Hess here, son. What you going to do? And I'm going to show you the error of your ways by pointing out the fact to you that you can't fix this. All you can do is be mad at me. And we could come back here a month from now, six months from now, six years from now. You still can't fix it because your sole purpose in life is to defend and uplift the Democrat Party. The same party that brought us slavery, Jim Crow, and all the coarse degradation that accompanied both of those, and you're the tent pole. You're the one holding it up. You're the one running around here tearing down the crime scene of the past that represents the institution of slavery and Jim Crow. You want? You're the one who wants the uh, the monuments taken down because the monuments are of white Democrats. If you take all the all the Democrats out of those photos of blacks being harmed in the civil rights movement. You wouldn't have a number of some barking dogs and some wild uh, fire hoses running wild, spinning wild. But you don't want to accept that. You mad at me for even saying this. Guess what? I don't care. You can't fade me dog. You can't tell me nothing about black blackness or pan Africanism. You can't tell me that off 15 years with the, with, with the nation, bruh. My credentials, I'm certified and stamped on both sides, man. What I'm telling you, we're headed for self-destruction. We're we are a political Jonestown. We're just waiting on the Kool-Aid to be delivered. We see our young people out there <clears throat> in this uh, snatch and thing, uh, grab thing where they're busting up uh, uh, display cases and breaking in windows and things like that. Nothing but black folks. Folks were being set up. The same media that's gassing our head up with this race crap, they're going to turn on us like they turned on us for the first 150, 60 years. And by that time, society would have tired of the feral animal aspect of our kids. This next generation, when I had my club, the kids who are 20 in their 20s now, they're the kids of the folks who used to come to my club. And you see how they're killing up folks. Their kids are going to be feral animals. Pastors and churches, you guys ain't got no sway. You, You guys bent, grabbed your ankles for the coronavirus. So don't tell me how you're going to stand on anything. You ain't going to stand on nothing. And so to the black community, it's now or never. The devil came in and attacked our women. And got them subjugated and their heads are turned around. Look at Stacey Abrams. She delivered all of America and if not all of humanity to the hands of the pharmaceutical industry, the Chinese government and every evil SOB on the planet who hate America and America's and the freedoms we enjoy. But you think she's a hero. The devil always tries to attack the women, and the men were AOL, AWOL, When it was being done. I've told you time and again. There's no substitute for a man being a man. The black community is collapsing. Because the black man is folded like a lawn chair. Walking around here with hair longer than the woman. The woman walking around here looking like a man. I just want to grab those signs off the bathroom doors. And start sticking them on folks' chests. You're a female and you're a male damn it. Folks, we've gone as far as we can go in the direction we're headed. It's not racism, it's our disobedience. The marketplace is passing judgment on us. The next phase, they're gonna move on black folks. And we won't have anybody to sympathize with. It. Because remember, we turned our backs on everybody. And I want you to I want to make one one point to you before we go into a break. The way the media and the way the white Democrats move black folks around the chessboard of life all year long. They got black folks hating all white folks. Look at the articles that come up on Yahoo news and CNN. It's always a race thing. Why black folks should be mad about uh, the people of world war two and uh, why Lynn Finch's great grandfather should be despised and all that. They do that because they know that we're emotional people. But at the end of the day, when they get done doing that and we get done being mad and, and showing our attitudes towards everybody, when they start killing us, ain't nobody going to have any sympathy for us. We want reparations for what was done to our people. What about you paying reparations for your young June bug having shot a man over five dollars? And now he's sitting up at the big house up there in Parchment. And they without their loved ones. What about you paying some reparations to that family? Oh, you ain't interested in that because you're not interested in doing right. This is where the corrupt leadership that that craving corrupt and almost criminally indifferent black leadership called the Legislative Black Caucus comes in at. The Black Caucus. All they need is five votes to control the purse strings of America. If five black Democrats in the Legislative Black Caucus saying We ain't voting on nothing until we get X number of dollars for X number of things, yada, yada. And they can complain about we ain't got the money. That's not our problem. But these same black, legislative black caucus members, Benny Thompson and the others, they down there worried about the January 6th commission while the illegals are coming over here getting money cash on the barrel head. They checks are already, they ain't even got to go to the liquor store to cash theirs. They getting cash. And yet, Eric Holder and Brock and Benny, they told us ain't nothing we can do. When you got the five swing votes on any vote in the House of Representatives and you tell us ain't nothing you can do, Hoss, we need a new team. But because black people are so weak-minded, they're unwilling to stand up. We don't have any no limit soldiers. We need some Master P's and Little Wayne's, some Dr. Dre's to come in there and put this political game in a headlock and break this crap up at the dope but you got to have some balls. And I can't find them in the black community anymore. Our number six, well, we ain't going to take any calls. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. All right, folks, we're back. And it is Monday, the final few hours of the Kim Wade Show. And um, like I said before, if black people wanted to fix the problems, all we got to do is tell our. And see, Congress runs the purse strings for America. And when we say this is what we want, that's not our problem how Nancy Pelosi does it. If she wants anything else to pass in this house, you got to come by the Black Caucus. But they won't assert themselves. And yet they keep coming back and telling you the reason why you can't get hooked up is because Clay Edwards is a white guy. So uh, Donald Trump's a white guy. So what? What does that have to do with the price of eggs? These Negroes won't do their job. But worse than that, you won't make them do their job. There's no substitute for a man being a man. Now these young rap boys don't show us how to put the game in a lock, and in, in a headlock. We won't do it because we're self-checked. We won't do it. It's not racism. The marketplace is passing judgment on black people and the black community and the poor community. We got a mayor who ran for office. He was running around here with the red, black, and green crap on. Going to the Wakanda movie, him and his family all dressed up in African girls. They don't mean that. These people are, folks, we've been hustled. But now if you into that kind of thing, if you like getting threaded out like that, bro, hey, leave white folks alone. They're not your problem. You are your problem. Look in the mirror. Is that guy there? That guy's a knucklehead. And you don't want to accept the fact. Benny's up 50 million dollars. He don't invest in the black community. He don't make any loans available. Everybody, all these black, uh, 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 wealthy all-stars and singers and everything. Don't get me wrong. They money green. But you got to understand, they ain't helping their family members. If they would just say, hey, bro, here, I'm going to give a million dollars to the family at the family reunion. Y'all chop it up and figure out, y'all, you know, what, what you need to do. Here's $10,000 for you to open up your repair car repair shop. Here's $10,000 for you to do hair, whatever the case may be. We don't do that. We want to come back to the family reunion with a white girl in our arm. Hey, I'll buy everybody some liquor. Man, please. The final hour, final few minutes to you white folks out there, quit going for this crap. Ain't nothing wrong with black folks other than that we need to make some adjustments. We need to make some changes. What we need white folks to do, if you really care about the poor and care about black people, fold your arms and button your purse. And tell them, say, man, that's a real sad story. Do you know Tommy Couch? You need to take that over to Malico. I believe they can put that to music. You could be another ZZ, uh, 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 whatever his name, ZZ Hill. Folks, Black folks are full of crap. It ain't no more complicated than that. Those Negroes who are down there stealing from us in local government with the set-aside programs, they don't care nothing about black folks other than to the extent that they can use them as a statistical basis to get their hustle on and justify getting a contract. But even when they get the contract, they're not even delivering the services. We still got to pay white boy Bob to come back and do what they didn't do, i.e., the water-sewer contract. Oh, no, y'all can miss me with the black crap, bro. Give me white boy Bob with some penny loafers and some duckhead pants with a little alligator on his shirt and a pocket protector. Gimme him. But these brothers come in there with the suit, smooth, sitting around, can't get nothing done. I remember they used to see them folks over at Piccadilly. I mean, it's two in the afternoon. What the hell, are y'all still sitting there for? I remember my friend Mike Harris was opening up his little uh, deli up there in, in Ridgeland, and the uh, Ridgeland inspector came in there. and Open the door. You know what he said? What can I do to help you get in business? You go down the city of Jackson, baby, you got Negro. You better wear some 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 waiters, some hip boots. There's going to be some BS and the mayor won't even address that, but he'll address racism. He'll put a police officer in jail for doing their job. But everybody else, they can sit around and shuck and jive all day long. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to go to an all black heaven. When I get to them pearly gates, I say, "Now, Pete, you notice that I was in Jackson for 40 years. You got to grade a brother on a cra- on a curve here. Help help a brother out. Give me some freaking flyers, miles or something. Work with a brother here." Anyway, what we're gonna do? We're gonna pick this up tomorrow. We're gonna deal with all the other issues, the Scandemic, and all the other stuff that's going on. The 153 murders and Jackson's the murder capital of the world. We're number one. Killing the dream, but won't kill the scheme. You know what they ought to tell black folks? Hey, along with me wearing that mask, you can't kill nobody. Oh, I bet you they quit wearing that mask then. I'm going to kill me somebody. Shoot. I'm a Negro. I got to kill something. I got to have some creds around in street creds. Anyway, we're going to take a break. Thank you for listening to the Kim Wade Show podcast. Tune in daily from 4 to 6 p.m. live on 103.9 WYAB in Jackson, Mississippi, For the live and current Kim Wade Show, you can call in at 601-879-0002. We'll see you tomorrow right here on the Kim Wade Show.